This is Mag. And this is Nick. All right, we'll start over. It's fine. <laughs> Cut this part out, okay? <laughs> in editing. This part has got to go. This is gold. Leave it in the podcast. We're going to leave it. It's fine. No editing in this podcast. No editing. <laughs> okay. Hi, guys. This is Mag. And this is Nick. And this is You Don't Want to Know. You really don't. Alright guys, so I don't know if you've noticed, but there is another person here with me. It's not a ghost. Who? I don't know. Is it you? Oh, oh me. Yeah. Uh yeah, I'm Nick. You're not <laughs> and you're not M, right? Who? M, the person that I was recording with in the beginning. That's oh, not you. I not that I Are I you don't in the right so. place right now or I'm in what I thought was my apartment, but I could probably be convinced yeah, otherwise. that's wrong. You're wrong. This is no longer yours. <sighs> Things this are getting is... real spooky in here. <laughs> well, came to the right place because this is a spooky podcast. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. All right. All jokes aside, guys. Very funny jokes, but all jokes aside, this is Nick Bros. Introduce yourself, buddy. Yeah, I'm Nick Bros. I run the Titan Media Collective. Uh, we are just an organization that is... You know, so lucky to have you don't want to know as a podcast on our network. <laughs> uh, but we do have a podcast network, a streamer network. We're basically a home for all types of content creators. Basically, if you're a content creator, we're the place for you. We uh, do networking events. Um, we do. We just had a charity event this past weekend. That I was supposed to be a part of, but then I couldn't be a part of because I'm was, a horrible person. I was going to leave that detail out, but it's okay. Yeah, Call Mag, me out. Yeah. Uh, she didn't want to help the children. Um, yeah. I'd rather <laughs> take all their money and spit in their face, apparently. Yeah. yeah but we did raise over $1,000 in two and a half hours. Wow. So I felt really good about that. And uh, yeah, it was a blast. So. It was probably better that I wasn't there because you guys played video games, and as my boyfriend tells me repeatedly, I am horrible at video <laughs> games. I just can't do it. I can barely... You guys played Fall Guys, right? Yeah. Okay, I can barely play that game. It took me, like, two months to figure out what the name was because I kept saying, like, Fall Boys or something. So, like, imagine how bad I was at... Or, I should say, am currently at that game. So, it's probably for the better. You know, I would have probably lost that $1,000. Well, they... they uh warned me that there is a skill gap in the game and i don't play it enough to to believe it there was definitely a skill gap i think the top person had 127 points and the next person had 75 <laughs> so yeah it was, uh, it was a pretty much runaway show but yeah. uh yeah it's it's rough that's a it's fun to watch though i will say that but it's it's good because anyone can play that game like yeah. i can play that game but, like, I can't play Fortnite. That's way too hard. Yeah. But at least I can play that game. So it's good for everyone. So it's a good game to play. But it just, I'm just so bad at video games. So <laughs> it's not even worth me trying. Love it. But, uh, yeah, what are we, uh, what's on the agenda today? Well, I was wondering if you had any spooky stories for the listeners. You know, so I am a big believer in, you know, the paranormal. Uh, Ghosts, demons, all that, you know, I I don't mess with that. Ouija boards, nope. nope. Keep those keep those away. Uh, when I used to live in my parents' house, I was convinced that there was some sort of spirit. Not evil, although 
I'll add it on. I'll tack it onto this story. It's like a story and a half. Um, but Only I, one story. Sorry. <laughs> I remember being like, I don't know, 15 or so, 14, 15 years old. I was sitting like in the the way it worked, like we had downstairs, like our computer, like the one computer that we had oh, yeah. uh, was in like the back unfinished part of our basement. Mm-hmm. So I'm like sitting back in the corner and what would you do on that computer? That sounds like it's set up for some uh, nasty stuff. Games. Yeah. And, well, yeah. no, MySpace was big. So, you know, uh, stalking yeah. all my mm-hmm. uh, all my friends on MySpace. Obviously. And, you know, obviously making sure I had the most up to date song yep. and finding out which song my crush had on her profile. Of course. Of course. Um, but I did, there was one time that I saw a definitive figure shadow appear on the floor, like coming around the corner, not big enough to be an adult, but like look like a child, which is almost worse because I'm pretty it, no, sure it is worse. Yeah. I'm it's pretty sure almost. the demons take on child form a lot of times. They, they can do whatever they want. Yeah. So, uh, and then, so as soon as I saw it, it like walked away and I, so I went out cause I have a little brother. And so I walked out. I mean, he was not close enough to have gotten where he was. Deep breaths. Yeah. I mean, that was the only time that I really saw. I mean, every once in a while, you know, it's like, was that just the house shifting or was that, you know, something? But I'll never forget the one time I was laying in bed and I was like kind of half asleep. And it only happened one time. But I remember seeing just this like deformed face it like jolted me awake Ooh. like said something and then i snapped awake and i i mean i can still see that face in my head like you know you can tell when it's a dream and when uh, it's like you know when i don't want to be here different. anymore Not <laughs> this, here. Is this the, place is fine you bring it with this you was, i'm uh, out this is the yeah, end that you don't want to know I've, I've been living here for three years and i have had no uh it's because you're friends with it now you know well like, hey. you guys are on a good relationship it doesn't bother you it'll bother me Ugh. yeah so yeah, that's that's my story. <sighs> okay, thanks my, for that. I my guess my dad still picks on me every time I go over there, and I'm I like I go down to the basement to grab something. Oh, did you see the little boy down there? <laughs> of course, of course. Still picks my on me. My dad does the same thing. So my sister is so scared of clowns, and we would have to stock a stove outside at night to heat the greenhouses outside. And my and this was in the 1930s, correct? Yes, okay. of course, because that only makes sense. Um, I'm that old. So <laughs> she would go outside, or she would get ready to go outside, and my dad would be like, okay, make sure you say hi to the clown, and then she wouldn't go outside. Nope, She's like, well, now, <laughs> now you have to go outside and stock the stove because I'm not moving from this absolutely not gosh and then there was a time i went to hayward wisconsin i think i might have already said this on the podcast so i'm I'm just gonna say it again really quickly i went to hayward and i was at a like a campfire and everyone was telling stories and they were talking about the girl in the woods and how like she lures kids and like takes their soul or whatever it really freaked me out and it was the first night i was sleeping alone because my cabin was empty or something and i got freaked out one of the people noticed that and they're like oh you know don't worry it's fine when you see her through the window she'll be smiling at you so it's one of those things where it's like they just want to like poke and prod at you and just make it worse yeah well see so i spend way too much time on tiktok now Mm. and you're one of those people i get (laughs) i end up getting on like ghost tiktok yeah every now and then and there's this one account that i followed and he like set up like a a ring camera or whatever Mm -hmm. um but he had to leave his house because like just stuff like middle of the day moving around and finally the last one uh his girlfriend was just in the kitchen in the chair like full-on 
turn around and move all the way like on the other side of the counter and then cabinet open so he comes walking in and a knife gets launched from you can actually see it in the was it a cut code knife and it hits him in the head (laughs) so The, the sharp part yeah so he's like, "Yep." He's like, "That was the last straw. We we moved out of the or we left the house." Did like, he get the cut? Did he get cut? He had, yeah, had a cut and like uh, had to bandage it up. And okay, so I don't believe anything from TikTok anymore. You everything know, is so fake. So I'm just so skeptical about that stuff. Like I just feel like everything's staged. Nothing's real. Nothing's organic. So I'm just so skeptical about that stuff. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to find. Maybe you can like link it off to find the TikTok account and send it to you but mm-hmm. uh yeah it, it's interesting i watched like through all of them and like some of the stuff it's like because i'm the same way too i the first thing i try to do is debunk it because i yeah. believe in it but i'm like you know did you really catch it in 4k yeah <laughs> exactly you know you just happen to be the filming, right but, angle yeah but you know sometimes you look at it you're just like and like the type of person like he's this old guy you know it's mm-hmm. just like there's no way there's just like the way it is there's no way Spooky yeah. vibes for the start of the I podcast. Know. I'm I scared. It. I love it. Ooh, I gotta get home before dark. Okay. <laughs> so I hope everyone lasted through that because I personally want to leave now, but yeah, I don't have a choice. So if you're still here, yeah. the demons have not possessed if you, you from these stories. Have not been taken away by the face that Nick saw. <laughs> Let's start about well, actually, okay. So normally I talk about a movie and I've been slacking pretty hard on that, but I've been binge watching the boys. Which is on Amazon Prime. This is not an ad. Um, there's three seasons and they're all freaking awesome. So definitely recommend that. Nick, he's been watching a series I, too. I just started. Well, I just started season two of The Boys. I thought you were going to so. say I just started Stranger Things. No, you no, just no. Also <laughs> just finished it too though. Yeah. Well, I, I might rewatch it back because oh, it was that good. But yeah, I watched Stranger Things. I I think I binge watched the whole thing in three or four days. I could not stop. Wow. Which was not good because I had a million other things to do. <laughs> I, was, I was like, you know, I'm just going to start this because I'm tired of missing out. It's and, priorities. You clearly yeah. have them in, like, in the right areas. I was literally editing videos for clients <laughs> and I had it up on my other monitor <laughs> watching. Oh, gosh. Well, that's how you know something's good. Yeah. See, I feel like I'm just too far behind to like jump into that because they're long episodes. They are. Yeah. I mean, it, it took a lot of time out of those three to four days <laughs> i mean it's possible but yeah it, I, I just couldn't stop watching it was like oh my god they ended on this i gotta i gotta watch another <laughs> another episode gosh okay so this is gonna be really girly but that was how it was for me with gray's anatomy i would watch it before bed and then i would try and go to bed after an episode and i wouldn't be able to because it was so intense that i'd have to watch half of an episode and then stop because like the cliffhangers were too much for me i yeah. couldn't sleep i was like well what happened to meredith so yeah, yeah that you w- get halfway through the episode yeah and then, yeah and then stop. exactly so you can freaking fall asleep it's horrible i'm addicted to tv hello <laughs> that's me all right so you ready to get uncomfortable yeah you know she wouldn't tell me uh she wouldn't tell me what the case is i asked because i was like oh i'll be pre- i'm like i'm gonna be a good podcast guest no. i'm gonna be prepared so i don't I want talk to talk intelligently prepared. but now she wanted to surprise me so i want to sound really smart here so I need you to sound really dumb <laughs> to make me seem smarter. You didn't You didn't have to try for that. I can do that all on my own. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you can do that for me then because I've been alone on this podcast and I feel like people are like, mm, she's kind of dumb. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so have you ever seen the documentary 
called Abducted in Plain Sight. No, but that sounds like something I would enjoy watching. It is very good. So that is about Jan Broberg and her family. So Jan, she grew up in Idaho with her two sisters, Karen and Susan, and they're all two years apart. So Jan is the oldest, and then the next is Susan, or excuse me, Karen, and she's two years from Jan, and then Karen is two years from Susan. Susan's the baby. So very close family. Jan had two very loving parents, because they always do, and their names were Bob and Marianne. So they were very close. They played together. They didn't fight. They were like friends, which can't relate because my sisters and I, we fought all the time. So maybe it was just in the water. I don't know. But they were really, really close. Now, Jan's mom, Marianne, she was a stay-at-home mom. And then she had a dad, like I said, his name was Bob, and he was a florist. And actually, he owned a floral shop. So that's pretty cool because I love flowers. Like I said, picture-perfect family. Okay, <laughs> so in 1972, a man came into the picture, Robert Birch told, and he had a family of his own too. And it was kind of nice because the two families, the Brobergs and the Birch told, they all had like their own friends. So like Robert was good with Bob, Marianne was good with, um, I believe her name was Diane. I don't have it written down here. I don't think it's Diane, but eventually I'll get the name right for the um for Robert Birch Toll's wife. But all the kids had like friends of uh, the Birch Tolls. So it was really nice. Everyone like was there for each other. Just, it was perfect, honestly. One of those lifelong family friends. Well, (laughs) we'll find out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So like I said, instantly friends, really, really great. But Marianne, she felt like Robert, the husband and the wife were just not a good match. So Robert, he was like really outgoing, really fun, and the wife was just like kind of quiet and kept to herself a little bit, like she wasn't outspoken, and she was more like in the shadow of Robert. And it wasn't like a bad thing, it was just kind of where she fell, you know? Like, I feel like I would do that too, I'm not like super outgoing most of the time. Um, So I like, I get, I get that, you know? And sometimes like, it's like yin and yang, where it just works, yeah. you know? You know, opposites attract sometimes, sometimes. and it works. Yeah. Well, no, uh, not this sometimes. case, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, um, they started carpooling together, and they just became super close. They would go camping together. They would have dinner together. They would celebrate holidays together. And Robert became B. Because, um, like I said, Jan's dad was named Bob. And I don't know if you know this, but Bob is short for Robert. Uh, you know, you are, I'm just, I know, I, I know. I don't know it's how to crazy. move on from that. You're going to have to, because I got a lot of information for you. So we're going to have to keep on There's going. <laughs> no, mean, that, that's have to process more. That's that. the crime. That was it. <laughs> so they call them B because it just helped out. Like even the mom called him B, but the kids especially called him B because they wanted to be more, I always get this wrong. It's informal, right? When it's informal. like more casual. Yeah. So they wanted to be more casual with it. They didn't feel like he was Mr. Birch Toll, but they didn't want to be so formal where they called him Robert or informal. So they called him B. And like I said, he started coming over and he would play the ki- with the kids a lot. And the parents and even the other girls started to notice that he paid a lot of attention to the oldest, Jan. 
He would give her nicknames. And one of the most common ones was Dolly. And she actually started referring to her herself as Dolly when she would like talk to him or like she wouldn't say like Dolly wants to go play, but she's like, I'm your Dolly or something like that. Hmm. So like she really embraced it and they just thought it was like cute, you know, because like a little bit of grooming. Mm, yeah. But this was in 1972 and this kind of stuff like grooming and like all like this behavior isn't weird yet. Yeah. Like it's still so Times early. Different. Yeah. Everyone was so freaking what's the word? Like Nonchalant. innocent. <laughs> they they just naive, naive. They were so naive. naive. They didn't know That's that it. this could happen. So the parents just thought that he loved her and he did a little too much. Um, But you know what? Jan felt like he was her father and she was his daughter. So she didn't really think anything of it. And she was a kid. So like, why would she like you shouldn't have to automatically think that as a child? Yeah. When you're a child, you don't process that. Exactly. So one day he wanted to take Jan horseback riding. Because that's what he would do. He would hang out with Jan and he would leave the other girls. And Jan got so excited. So she went and she begged and pleaded with her mom. But this was on a school night and she also had piano. And she's like, "Mm, I don't know. But she was so persistent. And actually, B, Robert, which I'm going to call him Birchtoll or Robert. I don't really want to call him B because it's like gross to me. Um, He also asked. And finally, Marianne gave in and she's like, okay. You can pick her up from her piano lesson, but you have to be home before Bob comes home. And she made that super clear. So Jan went to her piano lesson. Uh, Birch told picked her up and dot, dot, dot. Did you say murder? And, uh, <laughs> no. Well, <maybe>. No. <laughs> no. Okay. We shouldn't be laughing about that, but no. Um, so Jan is on her way with Robert. Birch Toll, and he's like, "Okay, we're gonna go like hang out with horses. So here's some pills, I mean medication." And Jan took it and got really, really drowsy, and has no memory of driving to the stable. While Mary Ann is at home, she's getting kind of worried because it's getting a little later and a little later and a little later, and finally, Bob is home. And like I said, she made it very clear. He needed to have her home by then. No, someone's in trouble. Yeah. So Marianne calls, or once, I should say, wants to call the police. Gail. Okay, there we go. I got it in my notes. Gail is the wife's name. I'm so sorry. I'm horrible. Gail is Robert's wife, Robert Birchall. So she wants to call the police, but Gail, Robert's wife, asked her not to because she was so sure they would come back and that everything would be fine. But Bob and Mary, or Bob and Mary didn't want to upset Gail, so they waited. Two days. They waited for their oldest daughter without calling the police. I was about to say two hours, and I was like, that's a long time. No. Two days? Two days. So, they went a step further, though, and they called the FBI, which... It doesn't even out. I was going to say maybe it evens out, but it <laughs> no. doesn't. No. How can you go to sleep? Like you, there's no way you can't sleep within two days. But how do you sleep knowing your daughter or not knowing where your daughter is, knowing your daughter's out there just 
alone. One time I didn't answer my phone for 45 minutes. My mom started calling my friends to find out where I was. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. I think one time my brother called me and he was like, I, I didn't pick up. And then I called him later and he's like, when your brother calls you, you pick up the phone. And I'm like, I was taking a shower. Like, I'm like I don't know what to tell you, brother. So yeah, two days, long, long, long time. I would have Got been a mess. Like I would have gone into a mental hospital. Like yeah. I would have just been two days not knowing where. Like <laughs> daughter's supposed to be home, doesn't come home. Yeah, forty eight hours pass by before. <laughs> like I, it's horrible. So I thought I was having trouble with the Robert thing. <laughs> Wait, we're really struggling now <laughs> with, the, with the me thing. <laughs> we're, we're really struggling now. <laughs> well, hopefully we can make this because this is page two out of eleven. So, of my notes. Oh. so two days later so the initial like pickup was on thursday two days later is a saturday and this is when the fbi the federal bureau of investigation is just starting so it's the weekend and no one's there so she called anyways and because i'm sure she doesn't know the fbi hours and there was like one person at the office or maybe it was like an answering machine but they said that no one's here and if it's an emergency to call the office in montana and marianne didn't want to bother anyone because my my thought process is that b is still a friend they don't know anything about like pedophiles and stuff like that so she's thinking you know maybe maybe they're like they're lost and he's taking care of her and they'll get to us someday or whatever. But so maybe she's like worried about both of them instead of just her being with this predator, you know? Yeah. I'm like trying to look at it f- and pretend that I don't know this is a true crime case. <laughs> and it's I'm, just still not. <laughs> okay. This continue. isn't a true crime podcast. Nick. I don't know why you think this is oh, a bad story. Oh, this is okay. a beautiful story. Oh, right, I'm just kidding. Perfect. Well, I mean, technically the ending is very beautiful. So, I'll get to that later. Okay. So, you say so. <laughs> let's just pretend like we don't know what's happening. So she doesn't want to be bothered because it was the 1970s and there was a certain way women were expected to be. And unfortunately, Marianne kind of just fell into that kind of role of being the quiet wife. We didn't want to bother anyone. So she didn't call. She didn't call Montana. Marianne was a mother. Correct? Marianne is Jan's mother. Right. And yeah. then there's Bob, who's the dad. And Bob... Oh my gosh, he is the sweetest man. So like, he's not one of those like forceful like my wife will listen to me kind of thing. So that's not she. This is just how she was. Like she was a very quiet, like didn't want to ruffle any feathers kind of person. And you actually can tell that Bob wasn't either because they didn't want to upset Gail by not by calling the police. So Bob, super sweet, amazing man. And you guys will all think the same thing too because I have some stuff about him. So he's just so sweet. So five days later, he's actually here. <laughs> Come on out, Bob. <laughs> he's dead. I'm so sorry, Bob. Um, yeah, it <laughs> didn't feel right going on with that joke. R.I.P. But Bob. <laughs> we're we're thinking of you, buddy. 2018, you're the best. Um, we all aspire to be like Bob. Yep. Born one out. B L B. Be like Bob. That is the motto of the pod. <laughs> There's the title right there. Live like Thad and be like Bob. <laughs> If you know episode two, you know what I'm talking about. So instead of waiting until Monday, they waited five days to call again. And like I said, I really think that they didn't think anything of Robert. And five days total 
Oh, so, so not five days. Not after seven days. Five days. Okay, got it. Okay, so what day would that be? Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Monday Tuesday, Tuesday. Tuesday. So I called the FBI again on Tuesday and spoke with Pete Welsh, and he had not been on the force. Is that what you call the FBI? Uh, on the bureau. I'm going to call it the yeah. bureau, not the force, because that's the police. For very long, well, I guess like five years is a pretty pretty good amount of time, but he didn't feel like it was a very long time. He was very new to it, and um, he was just, he never actually had a pedophile case. So it was very new territory for really everyone, like I was saying. And he was the one that used the word kidnapping. And the parents, Bob and Marianne, wouldn't have it like they just couldn't couldn't understand that he kidnapped her he thought or she thought and they thought that they were both in danger and robert brookshold couldn't have anything to do with this because they were friends you know so pete welsh the investigator had to like beat it into them no she has been kidnapped that's it so they uh, they said that he was a good friend and he probably just took her somewhere and like they got lost or their car broke down and finally the investigator got it and got it into them. He took her. So they started freaking out even more. And after the convers the FBI had the conversation with the parents, they went over to Gail. And she had told him the investigator that they had a motorhome. And upon further investigation, the motorhome was gone. Uh-oh. Yeah. Things not looking so good for Jan. No. So, bad situation, but at least they know what to look for now. So, it wasn't in storage, and the FBI officially labeled this case a kidnapping. Because, like, everything was there, all the signs were there. So, like I said, they had something to look for, and eventually they found Robert's car, not the RV or the motorhome, the car. It was um, in Register Rock State Park, and that might be a typo because that does not sound right, Register Rock, but it was in a national park or a state park. The keys were inside the door or inside, <laughs> inside the door, inside the ignition, but the car was off, and the side door was broken into and the driver's side door window was broken and there was blood on there. And um, it was, they like did an investigation and they found it that it was broken from the inside out. So I don't know if you know much about like kidnappings, but when the kidnapper is on the outside of the car trying to like get the people from the inside, the car window breaks from the outside, not the inside. Roll it back one more time. <laughs> so they they did an investigation and they found that the driver's side window was broken from the inside. Okay. So Robert broke the car window. Got it. But in a robbery, when a kidnapper is trying to get into a car, the window breaks from the outside. Oh. Okay, yeah. No, that that's normal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was overthinking it. I thought you were trying to explain something new to me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hold on, wait a minute. I'm questioning my whole life right now. What is going on? Inside, outside, <laughs> glass. Like, what? And two, because the passenger door door was broken into, 
So that just means that he was trying to stage the situation, but he didn't think it clear enough, obviously. Oh, okay. So now it all makes sense. Yeah, there, I, were you I with me? It. Are you here? All right. We're, we found it. I'm still stuck on Robert. Uh, <laughs> Bob, Bob. Or B. Bobbert? Bobbert. What's going on? <laughs> Get it together, man. Okay. okay. So they think that he, Robert Birchtoll, was staging everything and trying to make it look like someone had taken them. But obviously he failed to realize that police are not stupid and would figure out that the window was broken from the inside. So they found tire tracks next to the car and one set of footprints. They weren't 100% sure, but they were like pretty sure that it was from the motorhome. And they assumed that he carried Jan into the home because there were no other footprints. So. Because she's a child and he is an adult, this is a messed up situation. And I'm not going to get into, like, super graphic detail about what happened. But um, things happened to Jan, unfortunately. And the FBI realized that this is probably, like, not a great situation. So they went on a nationwide search right away. Because, one, this was one of the first cases of this where a child's been abducted by the ma- a male and it's very, like, scary situation. And now he, she's been gone for a very long time. They're for sure in a car driving somewhere. So she could be anywhere. The search went on for weeks. And the parents were an absolute wreck. And one of the daughters actually went and found the dad literally crying in Jan's bed. Just, like, laying and crying. Which I don't blame him because I would probably do the same thing. Yeah. People around the neighborhood were completely shocked and just in complete disbelief because they knew Robert Birchtoll and he had tricked everyone. He is a master manipulator and they said he would never hurt her. So it was almost like they weren't worried, like the FBI had it wrong. So, I mean, everyone was looking for her, but they didn't think that Robert, like they they were looking for Robert too because they were worried about him. It wasn't just about Jan. The investigation for the FBI, um, Pete Welsh, the investigator, uh, knew that Robert had an obsession with little girls. And he actually contacted Joe Birchtoll, which is Robert's brother. And <laughs> Joe's a character, honestly. Like, he cracked me up in the documentary. But just the things he said. So one of the quotes that he said is, my brother was always a sexual pervert. And then later on he says, he was a pedophile, and I knew that. And it's like, oh, okay, okay, so if you knew that, could you, like, let us know that, too? Like, spread the wealth, spread the knowledge, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, keep us in the loop, because um, that's pretty dangerous, bro. Yeah. But like I said, like, this is the start of all this crap that is now in 2022, of knowing all this stuff, of always holding your hand, or holding the child's hand, always being aware of strangers, yeah. versus back then, no one locked their door. Everyone just thought the best of people and they had to be shown that stranger, the stranger that you saw was dangerous through actions instead of just assuming, which is a very bleak (laughs) way to think about it. I mean, it didn't really even start getting like until I was a kid in the 90s. I mean, that's when it like really started taking off. So, I mean, this Mm. is in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, People just, nothing bad happened then. Oh, gosh. Well, they were just not seeing what was bad. Yeah. So the brother had actually spoken about a time, this is pretty gross, so 
Sorry, get ready man. to get uncomfortable. Um, the parents were away, and Robert was 12 years old, and he would do things to his six-year-old little sister. Vomit. Yeah. So, that's disgusting, yeah. but... Like you I don't said, like to hear that. No, I don't think anyone does. Um, Joe kept all this information to himself until the FBI approached him. So, like, thank you for being honest, but like, give that information a little bit earlier, you know? Yeah. But whatever, too late. So, this was very, very, very unsettling for Agent Pete Welsh, obviously, because it was his first pedophile case. And he actually found out through further investigation that he tried to get close to two other little girls with no success. So he didn't like get this far or get as close, but he tried to get closer and the parents like shut it down very fast. So more information about Robert. He would go over to their house all the time. The uh, Brobergs all the time and Jan actually shared a room with her sister Karen and it was a big room and Robert was like you know you should have your own room so he literally built a wall in the big room to make it two separate rooms so he could spend more time with Jan and have more alone time with her so as Jan is gone the Brobergs are kind of Marianne and Bob are going through all the things that they've seen and they have the FBI agent kind of whispering in their ear too, like he's a bad dude. And they're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He is a bad dude. And Robert was just a master manipulator. He became friends with that family, got really close to the parents so he can cut in and be close to Jan. like. As awful as it is, he was like an evil genius. Like, he knew exactly what to do. And it's probably because this wasn't his first time, you know? So, he was a handyman, and he was able to build that wall. And he also earned, or he worked at, like, a a furnishing store or whatever. So, he was able to help with that, too. So, like, I almost wonder if he had that job so he could do that. But that's probably not the case. Um, Would not put anything past, uh, past somebody like that. Gosh, yeah. So, um, he actually, sorry, (laughs) really quick, just skip over that part. Um, Robert was actually trying to get close to the neighbors around the Brobergs as well. And he invited some of the neighbors to go on a boat trip with him and Jan. And like, that just seems so weird to me. Why would he continuously only invite, or why would the parents allow this to happen? this man to only invite one of the girls constantly to things like it's not like it's a whole family thing and they like they go and get ice cream together and then come back and have ice cream or whatever it's like whole separate events that they're doing by themselves but that neighbor that he took on the boat trip with or he went on the boat trip with he literally said like something's off of that guy i never want to hang out with him again ever and good for this dude like he should (laughs) Like, set up a business where you tell people, like, if they're good people, because he was spot on with this one. Yeah. Red flags all over the place. Yeah. No kidding. So, June of 73, and this is prior to the kidnapping, Jan went on a trip. So, I'm kind of, like, going, bounce back a little, back and forth a little bit to try and keep up. Nick, let's go. Um, Here we go. Jan went on a trip with the Birch Toll family to Seattle because Robert had 
like a business trip, which I don't know how a furniture store has business trips, but whatever. I'm not going to judge. You know, the big couch conference is 72. Obviously, obviously. So while on the trip, Jan would get like woozy and loopy at dinner and she was like literally like rocking back and forth. And Birch Toll was worried, and he was like, what's going on? Like, you you need to go to your room. Like, you need to go back to bed or whatever. So he carried her to the room, and Jan actually recalls this, where, like, she felt kind of funky, and she passed out in the bed. And one of the times, like, she was coming in and out, and one of the times she remembered seeing Robert naked. So, not great. Yeah. And, like, who knows like, thank God she doesn't remember all this stuff because that's horrible. But maybe she just didn't think anything of it. I don't really know. Like, it's hard to justify that. Like, as a kid, you don't know. Like, maybe it's okay because I feel like he's my dad. I don't know. Yeah, sometimes maybe... you just, like, especially when you're that young, you don't process it yeah. right. And you have to justify it because she feels like she's his daughter. So, yeah. and she doesn't, maybe she doesn't want to get him in trouble she, or she's embarrassed that she saw yeah. or she thinks it's her fault. There's a lot of reasons why uh, she wouldn't say it, but it's horrible. Like just disgusting. So Robert, prior to the kidnapping, like I said, needed to just cut through Jan's family. So one day he called up Marianne while he was working and he goes, Marianne, I forgot my lunch. You need to bring me down a lunch. And then I just think, like, call your wife, you jag. Yeah, right. Or go to freaking McDonald's, because I know that's around right now, <laughs> and get a burger. Don't tell me what to do. But Marianne was a nice lady, so she brought him a lunch. And they started having lunch together. And Robert Birch Toll would say nice things to her. He would say how beautiful she was. And... Uh, just continuously complimenting her, like doing light touches on the arm and on the leg and just making her feel really good. And that's just not the kind of person Bob was. Like he wasn't good at expressing those type of things, but he loved Marianne, like no doubt. He loved her so much, but that's just not the type of way he showed love. And Marianne wasn't used to it and she actually really liked it. And they would hang out more and more and they were friends. Like, Bob even thought they were friends, so he didn't think anything of it. One day, they actually went to this church event together. They drove together, separately from everyone else, and they took a detour. And things got a little too friendly. And that kind of just, like, solidified what was going on. Like, they didn't, like, go and do the dirty, but, like, they kissed and they, like, I don't know. It just got a little hot and heavy, but not, like, super hot and heavy. But that just, like, made it really real, you know? Then, turns out that Robert also asked Bob to get lunch together. And Bob came over because Robert's his friend. Birch Toll is his friend. And he, uh, Robert, well, Birch Toll confided in Bob. And he's like, I'm so stressed out. I got to go for a ride. I got to get out of here. Come on, Bob, let's go for a ride. So the whole time he's driving. And complaining to Bob about how his wife isn't putting out enough for him. Yeah. He's just saying, like, oh, I, just, I gotta relieve myself. I gotta have sex or, or something like that. I just She's not enough for me. She She's just so, like, together, whatever. And he's like, Bob, I need you to do this for me. I, it's just kid stuff, Bob. And he was basically telling Bob to jerk him off. 
And this isn't a video podcast, but she's looking at an extreme look of disgust on her face right now. I don't know how to put this to words is what Nick is trying to say. But he literally was like, it's just kid stuff, Bob. Help a guy out. And Bob was a really nice guy. And I'm sure he's no, never Bob. he's never been put in this situation. No. And he, Bob, no, Bob, He didn't no. know how to say no. Bobbert, come on, man. No, this isn't Bobbert. This is, this is just Bob. Oh, no. Bobbert's getting the hand job. So Bob did it. And when he was alive, when they made this series or this movie, so you could just feel the uncomfortableness from when Bob had to say that. And, like, he didn't have to say that. He could have lied and never said anything. Yeah, that so, would be a story that you just... Yeah. You locked that one in the vault. He no didn't. No how twisted things get. He so. didn't. He told everyone and he admitted it on TV. But you know what? That just shows Bob, that he's a good, good guy. He's honest with his wife, too, because he didn't have to tell her, but he did. So, like, thank you, Bob. R.I.P. You're great. Bob, you're my guy, Bob. But he did it, and Robert cut through the marriage and got closer to Jan because of it. So he got what he wanted. So January of 74, I just made a weird noise. Hopefully you can edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm drinking this bubble. I'm not anymore. I probably shouldn't have drank it. But Nick knows there's this company in Wisconsin. It's called Bubbler. I think it's called Bubbler. It's the best thing ever, and anyone who doesn't drink it sucks. Yeah, Bubbler, no. watch out for my email. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming soon. But they're so good, and I am, like, addicted to it, and I drank it, and it makes me burpee. So that's why that noise happened. So I, I hope you guys didn't hear it, but I'm so sorry. So. Like she said, if, hopefully you can edit it. He's editing this. <laughs> okay, thank God. <laughs> so disregard, but drink Bubbler. I'll um, make it sound nice, but you're at it. <laughs> So make sure we <laughs> please get that out of their ears. Okay. So um in January of 74, Robert had to be reprimanded at his church because of his relationship with young girls. And sorry, I lost. I got lost for a minute. I was thinking about the burp. <laughs> So he was reprimanded by the church and he started going to counseling with them and he was actually taken to treatment center. Um, Robert had told the Brobergs about the treatment and that he had like a specific type of therapy he he had to do and he had to be alone with the girls to like help him. So I don't know if it's like immersive therapy or something. I mean, I don't think that's the case ever. I think that was just a lie. <laughs> I don't think that's. I don't think there's one try of truth to that. You know, I think it's a lie therapy. Um, so because the Birch or the Brobergs thought it was treatment to help them, they said yes. But later on, they found out that the psychologist that Robert was seeing did not have a degree anymore. And was giving him, like, all these fake pills and fake treatments. I have no idea how he found it, but it's just, I don't know. Robert is insane. And the he was, like, I think he was supplying some of the medication that he was giving Jan. Hmm. So Robert was sleeping in her bed four times a week for six months. 
up until Jan was taken. I mean, I'm really trying to like uh, Bob and Marianne, but they like it's just no one knew. (laughs) No one knew, you know, like I would sleep with my mom in bed, you know. Well, right. But like they thought he was like a dad, another dad. I need some. I I need some water. I can't reach it, though. I'm so sorry. Thank you. This is the best water I've ever had. It's literally just a uh, 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 Brita filter. It's the best. It's you can't find it anywhere else. (laughs) (laughs) This is the only reason why I'm here. Cannot go to the store and buy a Brita filter. Absolutely not. No, sorry. I hate to bring it to you. Try. So, October seventeenth, seventy four, Jan was taken, and now we're back up to the time where Jan was taken um, to go horse riding and never came back. So Jan woke up and she was laying in a bed tied by her wrists and her ankles and she kept hearing this voice next to her and it was really hard to make it out but she kept coming in and out so she couldn't like really figure out what was happening but then all of a sudden like she was just awake just everything wore off and she was awake and she heard the voices and heard what they were saying and she realized I was taken by aliens like, that's it. Okay. Yeah. And that's what the voices were saying. Just going zero to 60 right there. Yeah, exactly. More like 100, but yeah. it's fine. So she was awake, fully, like, livid, or not livid, uh, fully, like, aware of everything lucid. now. Lucid. There we go. You got me. That's why you're here. <laughs> Thank you. So she's finally lucid. Her hands and feet are free, and she starts listening to the, like, little box that's telling her stuff. So the aliens' names were Zeta and Zethra, and they told her that she was actually part alien. That her mother, Marianne, is a human, but her father was not really her father. Bob is not her actual father, and her real father is actually an alien. So Jan is very religious. I wouldn't say very religious, but she believes in Jesus. And... The way they were explaining it to her, she understood that it was, like, how Jesus was born, where, like, God came and made Mary pregnant, but, like, this is way worse. And I even, I hate comparing it to that. So that's how her mind, like, understood it. So she, she thought it was real because, like, okay, if God could do that, I guess aliens could do it, too. I don't know. So she believed it. And she believed that she was part alien. And Zeta and Zethra gave her a mission. She was to have a child and save the alien planet by 16. And if she could not do it, then her sister Susan, she would have to do it. Because she's in the same situation. She was also an alien, part alien, whatever. Her dad was not really her dad, but her mom was her mom. Like, the same exact thing. And she would be given a male companion who would, like, get her pregnant so they can both save the alien planet or whatever. I'll let you process that for a second. This is this is wild. I know. This oh I know. I know. I'm glad you didn't tell me about <laughs> this because I am I mean I know. Hearing this for the first time is just wild. Yeah, it's uh Okay. It's a thing. So she got up and looked around the motorhome when the tape was finally done, and who'd she find? Bobbert. Bobbert. Uh. Unfortunately. So she found him laying down in the other room in the motorhome 
with like cuts all over him and he was passed out. So literally Jan was like relieved when she saw Robert. Yeah, because now you think that you've been abducted by aliens and you see a familiar face. Well, that and obviously like she's thinking he's the male companion. It's someone she knows. And she's so like innocent that she doesn't realize like what's happening and that he's a bad guy and she thinks he's her friend and if she had to do like save the world with anyone it would be him right you know so she's relieved and she gets scared because she thought he was dead so she starts shaking him and he wakes up and he explains what happens and what they need to do he said they were on their way to go horseback riding and then a beam of light you know like the tails all the time beam of light came Beamed him up, Scotty, I guess, and he passed out. Or the aliens told him what to do and passed out. So good on Jan. She knew something was weird because she's a 12-year-old girl. Baby, basically. Little, little girl. And he's a 40-year-old man. But because this whole situation is weird, and she's an alien. She believes she's an alien yeah. at this point. So... It makes sense that it's weird because why wouldn't it be weird? I'm an alien. It's yeah, at this strange. point, all bets are off. Yeah, like if like if I'm an alien, obviously the situation is going to be weird. Yeah. So she justified it. So they were driving around the motorhome for weeks, and Jan said Jan said that she was drugged most of the time. She doesn't really remember much, but she does remember that there were a uh, a couple of books about sex. And she was supposed to read them because she's 12 years old and doesn't know anything about that. As she should not know anything about that. But eventually, things happen that I'm not going to talk about. Luckily, like, it wasn't anything rough. Like, she was not beaten or anything like that, but she was molested. And I'm not going to go into any more detail about that because, yeah, yeah, no thanks. So they, it turns out they were... I urge you not to use your imagination. Yes, just leave it at (laughs) what my words are saying. So it turns out they were driving around in Mexico, and in Mexico at this time, you were allowed to get married at 12 years old. Jan is 12 years old. All right. So Jan never said this, but Birch Toll said that they got married in Mexico. And he eventually contacted his brother and asked his brother to kind of like be the mediator and talk to Jan's parents. And he told his brother, Joe... You need to ask them to let me marry Jan in America and I'll come back. And the brother actually told them. And the parents were like, no, absolutely not. So at this point, Joe finally, like, gets some common sense. And he's like, okay. They said no. Maybe I should talk to the FBI because this situation doesn't seem okay. Yeah. So he contacts the FBI and they bug his phone <laughs> they bug his phone because, like, yeah, that's going to happen, obviously. And they tracked it to a hotel in Masolan, Mexico, I think is how you say it. Masolan, Mexico. But the FBI contacted the police or the, like, whatever it is in Mexico, like the constable. No, that's not what it is. Like the, yeah. the place in Mexico where Americans are. The, oh, the... um. It's in every country. I don't know what it's called. I'm like totally blanking. Uh, The embassy? Embassy, there we go. And then they contacted the local authorities and the Mexican police went and arrested him and saved Jan. So Robert was put in Mexican jail and (laughs) this is so messed up. 
he gave one of the guards his wedding ring to bring Jan to him so he could talk to them. And they did it. Like, that pisses me off so much. He married her there? No. No, no, no. So, Birch Toll is married to Gail, so he has a wedding ring already. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So, he gave the gold ring that he had to a Mexican police guard to bring Jan to him so he could talk to her before he went to her. Oh, and the police guard did it. Yes. Okay, got it. For the ring. So, he was talking to Jan, and he told her that there are four things you cannot talk about. The aliens said there are four things you cannot talk about. You're not allowed to talk about the aliens or their planet. You're not allowed to talk about the quote-unquote relaxing pills. You're not allowed to talk about the mission. Therefore, you're not allowed to talk about sex or real life, the molestation that was going on. Yeah. And if she were to speak about those things, a couple things would happen. Karen would go blind, which is the littlest sister. They would remove her dad, which remove means, yeah, gone. And then Susan would be next and Jan would be vaporized. So this just shows me this dude's a freaking loser. The fact that he would say, you're going to get vaporized, like, grow up. Is it like, it's so twisted to think about, like, the level of premeditation combined with, like, creative, like, you, I'm trying to phrase this in a very Mm -hmm. delicate way Mm -hmm. without calling them a, like, a genius because i mean to think of like all this stuff and they just use that intellect for horrible horrible things it's just it i mean it's just mind-blowing because i mean like i could never possibly like put all that together yeah well honestly i feel like he probably has thought about this for a while they were traveling in that motorhome for a long time so he's probably thought, like, what's going to happen if I get caught? And I guess I would think that if you had the balls to do something like this, you'd want to, like, have an escape plan, you yeah. know? Plus, he's in jail, so he's got a lot of time on his hands. Right. So, I don't know. I just don't want to give him any credit, honestly. Yeah. Like, freaking loser. So, one other thing, one other regulation to this whole situation she was actually not allowed to be close to any male at all, including her father. Nice. So her parents came to pick her up, and Jan, like, ran into their arms and melted into their arms. And then five seconds later, she asked about Robert. She's like, is he going to be okay? When are they going to let him out? And the parents were like, he took you. It's not okay. He's not going to be let out. And she was like, no, 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 no. It's fine. We went on vacation. We were on vacation. He didn't do anything. We had so much fun together, all this stuff, because she was so scared that her sister was going to go blind, her dad was going to die, she was going to die, and then the same thing would have to happen to her her other sister, you know? So this poor little girl is, like, scared to death and has to be careful what she says, all this stuff. And then, on top of that, she's not allowed to be close to any male. She couldn't go by her father. Yeah, exactly. So she wouldn't even go by her father on the plane ride. So she was actually examined uh, with a rape kit, and the hymen was not broken, which is what how you test 
for like people who have not had sex yet. Um, and it wasn't broken. And that is because he was sick and twisted and he was very gentle with her. So that's all I'll give you for that. Um, so I think because the FBI was so new to this, they didn't understand everything and they wouldn't just assume like the worst, I guess, at this point, even though like you should always assume the worst in these situations and hope for the best. But she just told everyone like we had so much fun. We were on vacation. We did so many things on vacation, like going to the beach, paragliding, like all these cool things. And she went back to school like everything was fine. But she was secretly worried always about the mission. It was always in the back of her mind. And she was trying to figure out how to get back to Robert to complete the mission. The parents were told to not go near Birch Toll, to stay away, but they didn't listen. And on New Year's, Gail had come to their house and she pulled Bob aside and spoken to him personally. And this is where Gail gets gets to be a little bit of something-something. Oh, Gail, come on. Don't get, don't get wrapped up in this, yeah. Gail. So, Gail had asked the Birch Toll, the Brobergs, to drop the charges on Robert Birch Toll. No, thank you. They asked them, or Gail asked them to fill out an affidavit, basically saying that it was a whole all misunderstanding. And she says if they didn't, they would expose the dirty laundry of Robert and Bob having fun in the car and Robert and Marianne having an affair. Oh my God. Gail. Gail. I know. I know. Come on, Gail. This is what part of the affidavit said. My daughter was not taken by force or against her will, nor was she held or confined against her will at any time while accompanied by the defendant. I honestly believe that there is a strong possibility that the defendant was under the impression that he had my husband's and my consent to take my daughter with with him when he left in October. They signed the papers. Oh, no. So, obviously, this got back to Pete. Pete Welsh, the investigator. Right. And he was pissed. Yeah. Because he put in so much time and effort into this case. Right. He neglected it to his family to save theirs. Yeah. And it's all gone now. He threw it all away. Because of that. So he was super upset. And people started calling their house because they were upset too. Because more than one person, this was a nationwide thing. Right. More than one person was trying to help them, you know? And they had come to terms with the fact that she was abducted. So they, like, let that be public. So people were calling them saying, like, you stupid? Like, why would you do that? And they just had to be like, no, we didn't know, blah, blah, blah. So people would call and yell, and they just had to take it. Even though they filed the affidavit, the, like, U.S. or the government or whatever it's called was still forming a trial against this guy because they knew what was actually happening. But their witnesses were gone because Bob and Marianne filled the affidavit out. So it really just lost all footing. They had no claim whatsoever. It was just a very horrible case against them. So Robert murdered, moved to Ogden, Utah, which if you guys remember, Ogden, full circle, 
is where the hi-fi case happened in. Okay. Yeah. So, full circle. All horrible, awful, Stay disgusting. away from Ogden. Yes. Bad place. So, he began to work for his brother Joe at a car dealership. And his brother Joe said that anyone and everyone would buy from Robert. It was so easy for him to sell. Like, it was hard to not buy. Like, you could go in just wanting to look and you would buy. And that's what a narcissistic narcissistic personality is. Yeah. They think that they can do whatever they want. They have so much confidence and they can find weak people, which I hate to say it is Gail. Yeah. And not to say that. Okay. That's a bad way to say it. They're not weak. Just like there are narcissistic personalities. Easily manipulated. There are other types of personalities that I can't remember the name of, but they are more vulnerable and they're more gullible. And they are more willing to, like, do whatever other people say. And they trust other people way too easily. And he found those people in the car salesman as a wife, as family friends, you know. So that's why Gail was so quiet. Because it's the quiet people, the shy people, those are the most vulnerable to those things. So he just preyed on Gail. And he was mentally abusive to her so she eventually just kind of did whatever he told her to do and that's why she did that to the birch uh to the brobergs because she was just under his spell so he was doing really well there he left his wife and kids behind um in in uh idaho and gail just thought that they would move back with him at some point when he was like on his feet had some money but he would actually come back every weekend to see his family, but really to see Jan. Every weekend he would go to church and people would like greet him and they actually apologize to him because they're like, I'm so sorry, man. Like we believed it, but obviously like I, I doubted it at first, but people were so convincing, but I'm sorry. I should have never doubted you, blah, blah, blah. So people were apologizing to this man, this vile human being. But this was not enough for Robert. He had to get back to Jan somehow. So while she was like in school, he would stop students and like give them notes to give to Jan. And somehow like she would get the notes back to him and they like wrote love letters to each other, just all this stuff. Jesus. And he somehow also planted another recording device like next to her and she at that point like when she heard the recording device she was like okay mission's back on time to get to moving you know gotta get to robert so they would go back and forth with the love letters and she was just fighting to get back to him because she thought that's what she needed to do to save the world and she would even actually tell her mom that she missed robert and at this point in her life which is like roughly 1975 Jan was in love with Robert and as an adult she said I was absolutely 100% truly in love with this man and it's because he is a master manipulator he is abusive and he brainwashed her yeah and she's like as messed up as this sounds I was in love with him I wanted to marry him and all this stuff and she would write love letters to him so it's really really sad but the spring of 1975 Robert just wasn't getting enough the letters weren't enough he had to get closer so he went in for the parents again 
he did the exact same thing, but this time it was really just focused on Marianne. So he started calling Marianne, and she would just, like, kind of disregard it, but he would call her again and again, and then finally she, like, started to, like, allow him to talk to her. And he's like, I love you, Marianne. We, you just need to leave your husband. I'll leave my wife, and we'll be together. And Marianne's like, why'd you take Jan? And he's like, just come, come to me and I'll explain everything. So she went to him. She went to him and confronted him. And she's like, why'd you take Jan? And he being the master manipulator would just like redirect and say like, oh, you're so beautiful. I love you so much. He touched her arm and her leg. And Marianne started to feel the way she felt in the beginning. Like, she liked the attention, and she likes the way he made her feel. Marianne, no. So this time, it got all the way. Marianne, no. The first time they that she met up with him, the dirty happened. And she let it happen. So an affair had started. Four days after it happened, Robert Birch told, called Bob. And told him what Marianne and him were doing. He told him about the affair. And Bob knew about the affair the entire time. From, it was for eight months from 70, 1975 to 1976. She had seen him 11 times. And Bob knew That's the whole too time. Many. That's 11 times too many. That's like 13 times too many, <laughs> so actually. Many. So Bob knew what he was going to do. Um, or Bob knew what Robert was trying to do. He was trying to get to Jan because Robert wasn't, or Bob was kind of thinking clearly and he like saw his intentions and everything like that. Marianne just couldn't see it. Good on you, Bob. So I he knew we'll exactly the, what. I think we'll let the prior uh, little mishap slide because of that. Yeah. And he was being real, like Robert was being really smart about it because he was telling Bob and that just made Bob pissed and he would confront Marianne. And or they would just be like separated and just like ignoring each other. And Robert could just slide right into that huge amount of space that they were giving him. And in that time of the affair, Robert had spent um, nine visits with Jan and spent the night alone with Jan twice. So Jan said it was always about molesting her. Every single time he saw her from that point on, from the time he kidnapped her on, it was always about molesting her. And finally, Bob was actually confronted by a preacher because I guess Rob and Marianne, Robert and Marianne were not being like secretive about it and everyone could see it. So a preacher went up to Bob and was like, you need to do something about this now. So at that point, he was like, yeah, you're right. He served Marianne divorce papers. And this is how sweet Bob is. He took his girls to dinner. The night that he served her papers and it was dinner out of town and he had explained what was going on to the girls and that they were getting a divorce. Because he's so freaking sweet. And instead of like just focusing on their fight and yeah. everything like that, he it was just like this guy. <sighs> it's so sad that this had to happen to him. <laughs> so three days after Robert, um, after the papers were served, uh, Robert called Bob and said, you're going to lose your kids and your wife um, if you, or wait, hold on. I think I might have written this down wrong. 
No, I was right. Sorry. Just kidding. Um, you're going to lose your kids and your wife if you do this. And Bob just hung up. Um, because he was basically implying that Marianne's going to get the kids and you're going to be left alone. Because he wanted he wanted that, like, that tension still in the house so he can get to um, jam. So then Bob hung up right away. Wasn't having it. He's just done with Robert. After Bob hung up on Robert, Robert immediately called Marianne and said, you need to leave Bob because he realized he wasn't able to get to Bob anymore. Right. So she, he said, you need to leave Bob and I will pay for everything. I'll pay for an apartment. We're, like, we're going to have a happy life. You just need to get custody of all the girls. And um, Marianne was like, I don't know, like this feels wrong. And um, he's like, we can say Bob's a homosexual. And, well, he is a homosexual is what uh, Robert was saying. And he won't get custody of the girls. And it'll be easy. Like, you can be happy with me. And that was when Marianne was like, I am messing up bad. I need to get out of the situation. So she cut it off. She completely cut it off. And actually, she went to an attorney. And she said, like, she needs to stay for marriage. She needs to fight for her marriage. Or she said that she wants to do that to the attorney. So she was done. She was done with Robert. Finally, just right. washed her hands. Only a little bit too late, Marianne, but okay. Yeah, only a little bit. So Marianne went to Bob and said, we need to raise these girls and it needs to be you and me. Robert's out of my life. And she just kind of like fell to pieces and Bob forgave her. Oh, Bob. All right. He's like, that was enough for me. That's all she needed to say. Okay, and he Bob. forgave her. He's a better man than I. Yeah, right. Bob's better than everyone, guys. <laughs> like, everyone. Bob's up here. We're all the way down here. Yeah, it's, I'm not in the same league as Bob. No. I could not forgive. No. I'd be like. BLB, be like Bob. Yeah. June 1976, 20 months after the kidnapping, Robert agreed to a plea deal. He pled guilty to felony charges of kidnapping and the judge sent him, sentenced him to five years. But because of the plea deal, he brought it down to 45 days. Yeah. What was it originally? Five years. To 45 days? Yep. Okay. So he would report to jail in three months after the sentencing. And he moved to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where he bought like this family-themed water park. And Jan begged and screamed and pleaded with her parents to let her work there for the summer. She just, like, cried and freaked out and was just a completely different person. Absolutely different person. Because the mission. She had to get the mission done. She had to save the world. So she had to be with Robert. So her parents said no. Her mom said no. Well, then Robert calls. And he talks to Marianne. And he's like, you can either send her to me or she's gonna get on the road and start hitchhiking but there's nothing you can do about it she's gonna come to me so marianne got really worried she didn't want her hitchhiking so she put her on a plane oh marianne and sent her to robert marianne no basically with a bow and she was there for two weeks and the brother joe birchtoll robert's brother yeah he actually went down and visited and i guess they were super happy. They seem really happy. And Robert's like, or Robert, Joe, the brother's like, I don't know why they were so happy with that. I don't know why I was so happy with that little girl, but they were happy, I guess. 
<laughs> he's barely in that documentary, but every time he speaks, it's like, oh gosh, you need help, buddy. Like, yeah, oh Joe, gosh, come on, Joe. come on, like realize what's happening. So the mission continued. Molestation continued. Um, he told Jan that he was going to get a divorce and they could finally get married. And but first they had to finish the mission. So Jan got really excited because she's so in love with this disgusting man. Um, but they had to get pregnant first in Jan's eyes. So once um, Bob, Jan's dad, like talked to his wife about Jan going down. He's like, you're going to regret that. That was a stupid thing. So finally, like, Marianne snapped out of it and started calling Robert constantly until he finally gave in and sent Jan back. And Jan was pissed. She was so upset because she thinks that she's saving the world, you know? And she just wants to get out of it, but she can't, you know? two things I'm struggling with with that. One, if I'm Bob and my wife just sent to this sent my daughter to this guy who I know is, you know, doing awful things. I'm like there. Yeah. (laughs) Second. Yep. Second. Robert just sent her back. Like at this point, he's got her there. Yeah. I mean, good. It doesn't make sense. uh, Yeah. It, It doesn't make sense. So, um, Jan was really upset because she thought she was saving the world. Right. Robert started harassing Marianne and just telling them to bring her back to her, him, just constantly. Jan was a completely different person at this point. She used to be lively and bubbly and happy, and now she's just always upset, always to herself. She didn't want to, like, speak to her parents or her sisters. And one night, August 9th, 1976, Marianne was up late watching TV and Jan popped her head through the door. So Jan, like, it's, it's not really like a basement. It's like four steps down. So there's like the living room and then four steps down is like, it's a little bit lower level and that's where the girls' rooms was. Mm -hmm. So Jan pops her head through the door and her mom's like, come here, come talk to me. Explain to me what's going on. Why are you being such a brat? And um, Jan's like, nope, and pops her head back in. Well, then Marianne's like, okay, whatever, I guess. Like, she's just hormonal, whatever. So she goes to bed. And the next day, Marianne's getting ready, um, waiting for all the girls to get up. And Bob starts playing the piano, which is, like, super cute. He played the piano to wake the girls up sometimes. And Jan never came out. Jan's gone. So they went to her room, and they found a note. But they did not find Jan. And I am pulling up the note right now because I took a picture of it, and I can't find it. Here it is. Oh, gosh. Okay. So here's what the note says. Dear Bob and Mary Ann, you won't let me do what's right, so I will do what's wrong. I am leaving without you. B and I do not plan on coming back until you accept me as me. I cannot accept your religion or your screwed up morals. I just want to be me and have be. Please, before all of us are destroyed, let me go. Jan. So her parents and her sister, sisters, I should say, said that did not sound like her, which. There's the first sign of before we're all destroyed. Well, and I cannot accept your, your religion yeah. or your morals. Like, 
I don't like your rules. Screw you. Like, that's what a freaking, I think she's like 14 at this time, 13 or 14. That's what she would say. She would not say, I cannot accept your religion or your morals. Like, unless she's a super kid and knows all that crap. I don't know. But it like just... before we're all destroyed is like the first little bit of like, oh, her yeah. saying why she's doing it without saying yeah. why she's doing yeah. it. Exactly. So maybe that was like her way of sneaking in the mission without talking about yeah. the mission, I guess. I don't know. But so they found that note. Where was I? Shoot. Hold on. Um, mission continued. There we go. Okay. So that was on the 10th where Jan was missing. The family, like I said, they didn't say, they said the note did not sound like her at all. And they thought that Robert was telling her what to write, which they were probably right. It wasn't confirmed, but it makes sense. And Robert called that day. So he's like not with them, but he called that day and he said that um, Jan had contacted him and like just sounded really weird and said she was going to run away. So he was like checking up on the situation because he was worried about Jan. And the parents told him that she ran away. Oh gosh, I gotta take some water. I'm sorry. I bet. My mouth is getting so dry. Talking a lot. Okay. So the parents were so embarrassed that Jan was kidnapped for a second time that for two weeks they told um they told everyone that she was away with the grandparents. <coughs> two freaking weeks. They didn't contact anyone. They didn't notify the police. They just said that she was with her grandparents. But finally, after those two weeks, they contacted the FBI again. And Robert pretended to not know where she was, because obviously that's the first person the FBI went to. And um, he just played dumb. He would uh, call the parents all the time and say that Jan was talking to him. Oh my gosh, my throat. So he would contact the parents all the time, saying that Jan was calling him, saying like she's scared and... She has to do these terrible things for money. And um, Robert said, what are you doing for money? How are you making money? And she just goes hard or something like that. And he's basically insinuating that she's doing prostitution to make money. And he would constantly call them. The entire time Jan was kidnapped, he would call them. And eventually, Marianne and Bob started getting their phones tapped so they could record the conversations. And he was just manipulating the parents like crazy. And he would say, like, one time he said, I'm going to get you killed or whatever if you don't, like, save the girl. And then Marianne's like, I'm going to get you killed if you do anything to hurt her. Like, Marianne grew some balls and got back at it. Yeah, about time. <laughs> Honestly. Only took, only took her daughter getting kidnapped twice. So he would say, like, I'm so in love with her. And Miriam was like, she's a kid. And he's like, the last time I saw her was this many months ago. And I still feel the exact same way about her. I love her so much. And it was just really messed up. So the FBI finally found where Robert was. Um, it was 76, uh, 1976, um, 90 days after Jan disappeared. He was in like a trailer park or whatever. So they didn't make their presence known. They put like surveillance there. and. Two weeks, nothing, no luck. Because what they were doing was they were trying to find Jan. Right. You know? So finally, after two weeks, they're like, this isn't working. So they knocked on the door. And Robert let them in. So that kind of tells you that Jan wasn't there. But this is messed up. He had giant pictures of her everywhere. 
like on the walls, on pillows. Oh. Giant pictures of Jan. Ugh. Yeah. So, not a great start. No. Yeah. And they said it was like a mausoleum or whatever, like a worshiping area. So, um, one day out of nowhere, Jan just randomly calls the family. She calls, and I think her sister Karen picks up. And she's like, hi, Karen, how's it going? And she, uh, Karen's like, Jan. And she just instantly starts crying. And Jan, uh, her sister grabs her parents. And you can just hear the joy in the vo- uh, their voices. And Jan acts like it's a normal phone call. Like, it's an everyday phone call. Like, Jan. hey, how's it going? Oh, that's awesome to hear. Okay, I got to go now. Bye. And um, the dad's like, when are you coming home? And she's like, oh, I don't know. I'm sorry. And it was like it was nothing, you know? And that just goes to show how brainwashed she was. Yeah. You know? Like, there's, it's just so clear. So the FBI at this point were constantly watching Robert Birchtoll. And one day he went to a phone booth and he was on the phone for 12 minutes. So once he was gone, they went into the phone booth and they found a number written on the phone phone book in the phone booth. Mm-hmm. And it almost to me seems like it was on purpose. He wanted to get caught. Yeah. And this is assuming a lot, but I wonder if Jan just got too old for him. And he wasn't interested in her anymore or it was too much, too much work or something like that. But she was gone for so long. They were watching him for so long. Like, why would he slip up and do that? You know? Yeah. Being so careful and like, yeah. Yeah. And why would he write down the number on the phone book? When you like come in with a slip of paper with it written on it, why would you feel the need to do that? You know? So I just feel like he did that on purpose and he wanted to get caught or something like that. So they found the number, and it was uh, tied to this Catholic school. And they called the Catholic school, and they're like, hey, there's this girl. She's missing. We need to find her. Her name is Jan. She might be under an alias. And the Catholic school is like, nope, sorry, haven't heard of her, and not willing to help out at all. And they thought that was really weird until finally the FBI broke them down, and they came in, and they found Jan. She was at the the school the catholic school she was under the name janice tobler uh jan said that he helped her out of the window when she was kidnapped and drove her to that school and that's where she was robert birch told the nuns that he was in the cia and he escaped lebanon which the lebanon crisis was happening so that was believable i guess but they had escaped and the mother was killed in the process So basically he was saying that if anyone comes and is looking for us, it's them. They're trying to take us back. Don't give them any information. Don't let them know what's going on. Blah, blah, blah. All this stuff. Yeah. He goes through all that and then writes the phone over. Yeah. There's no way. It doesn't make any sense. If he's that thorough, you know, like something was in his mind. He must have had some kind of plan. Maybe it didn't go the way he expected it, but I don't know. Yeah. So he would literally visit her every weekend, and the nuns protected him because of that. So the FBI finally caught up and arrested him for breaking parole, and Jan was brought home. And like I said, and before Jan wasn't the same, now Jan was a completely different person. Yeah, she wasn't she's probably too far gone. She wasn't bubbly. She was emotionless. She stayed away from her father. Just wasn't the same. So, January 24th, 1977, Bob gets a call in the middle, middle of the night, and his flower shop was on fire. 
And this is going to, like, break your heart a little bit. So it was engulfed in flames, huge fire, and it actually burned down, like, the whole block. Huge fire. And while it's happening, so his whole family, Bob's whole family, Bob Broberg, he went there with his whole family, and he grabbed all the girls in his arms and just said, let it burn, let it burn. Everything I need is right here. Oh, Bob. Isn't that, like... Wow, that's sweet, Bob. It was so sweet. sweet. Bob. I mean, your child did get abducted twice because you guys are yeah. kind of dumb. But, but but you're, you know, it was just you're so sweet. sweet. Oh, gosh. So he knew that it was Robert. And Robert right. was the reason why this was happening. But Jan thought it was her fault because she wasn't doing the mission. Oh, Jan, no. And she's just brokenhearted because her father's shop was just done, gone. So it turns out that Robert, while was he was in jail, he convinced these two guys to burn down the shop for $1,000 a month. And they did it because, once again, Robert's a master manipulator, and he got him to do it. And they were caught right away, and they could not pin it on Robert because it's hearsay, you know? Yeah. Even though you read cases now, and it's like, Jailhouse informants are enough to freaking nail someone for murder or whatever. Right. It's ridiculous. So he was finally released and he was healed by the psychiatrist who told him he was sick. So what he had said, which I don't buy because of what Joe said in the beginning, he said that he wasn't a part of the family and that he was ex- sexually abused by the help. He had to sleep in the barn, all this stuff. And he was finally let back into the family when his mom got sick and he had to take care of his mom. So he says that growing up, he felt the need to take care of someone and that someone was Jan to take care of a little girl. Oh, my God. Even though his brother straight up said when his parents were gone, he molested his little sister. I mean, that's like that's like master manipulator 101. I know. So he said that he was fine. Growing up, like I said, he felt like he needed to do take care of someone, and he felt that person was Jan. So, like I said, he's just trying to say whatever he needs to to get out of the situation. So, Jan was 15, and Robert was kind of starting to lose interest, to be completely honest. She didn't hear from him that much, but she still thought about him and the mission. It was constantly on her mind. And before she turned 16, she went to the summer camp, a summer vacation camp thing. And she started to do normal teen stuff. And she was in plays and she met a boy. And the boy had bought her ice cream. And she was so happy and so excited for about 10 seconds. Nice. And then she was like, the mission. I can't do this. I have to get away. So she ran to her room and called her mom. Poor kid. I know. And her mom was like, oh, hi, Jen. How you doing? And she's like, I'm okay. How are you? How's everyone? Is everyone okay? And she's like, well... The dogs, I think I might have fed them something funny. They're not feeling too great. And instantly Jan's like, it's all my fault. It's because of me. I'm so sorry. It'll never happen again. And her mom was like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. You just need to go to bed, like get some rest. So she does that. And the next day she calls or her mom calls her back and she's like, the dogs are fine now. Everything's great. And Jan says for a split second. I think maybe this is all fake because everyone in my family is doing okay. The dogs are fine. So maybe this is all a lie. And then five seconds later, she's like, I'm just kidding. I believe in you guys because she's so brainwashed. brainwashed. She thinks the aliens can hear her thoughts. So Jan's 15. 
the mission has to be completed by her when she's 16. Yeah. Her 16th birthday starts to roll around in July and she's freaking out. She's panicking and she has to figure out what to do. So she comes up with a plan. Because she isn't pregnant and it's her 16th birthday, she thinks, okay, I'm going to get a gun. I'm going to tell Susan about what's happening. And if Susan was okay with it, she would kill Susan and then she would kill herself. And hopefully that would get them out of it. The plan would be done. They would have to find someone else. But then her birthday comes around. She never got the gun and everything was fine. Nothing happened. That day she realized it was all a lie. That day she finally came to the realization that for, what would that be? Four years she was believing a lie that she was brainwashed. And slowly she started building up the courage to tell her best friend and her sister. And her sister was like, you need to tell mom and dad. So finally she told her mom and dad and they just broke down and everything kind of made sense at that point. And they just reassured her that everything was okay and it wasn't her fault. And they never got contact like he Birch told left her alone because she was too old. So now Jan is a public speaker. She goes around and it first started off with her like doing little things here and there. Marianne, the mom, actually wrote a book about the experience, and she started speaking as well. And guess who showed up to the events? Oh, Robert. Robert started showing up to the events and harassing them. He would say it was all a lie. The book is all a lie. He would go around and give out flyers saying how ridiculous it was because of the alien story. And just all this stuff. So it almost seems like he went so far and made the story so ridiculous. So if this ever happened, which like obviously he got caught, he could deny it because he's like, why would I come up with aliens? You know? Yeah. So it's all part of his plan. It's like so twisted and sick and brilliant that it's like, you know, he's that, sick, that it's like if you sick. can't, you you couldn't possibly believe that's that somebody could, you know, yeah, that somebody could think that all exactly. Up. So he had these flyers that he was handing out, and finally Jan was like, "I'm done." So she filed a stocking order, and he contested it. So they had to go to court, and Jan had to see Robert Birchtoll, and she had to talk to him, and speak with him, and you there's videos of the court tape. You can see it, and it's just so clear how just sick and twisted and such a manipulator he is from that tape. And at one point, um, Jan like says something like, I'm, I'm trying to stay away from you. I'm trying to get away from you. You scare me. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way. And just the way he speaks makes you want to punch him in the throat. Just disgusting. Ugh. Luckily, Jan won, though. And got the stocking order against him for life, which isn't like regular. It's abnormal that that could happen, but well, that's good, awesome though. that it did happen. Yeah. But that didn't stop him from going to events and stuff like that. Um, he, she and her mom went to this event and it was like a, there was biker group against like child abuse. And one of the child or the, one of the bikers actually recognized him and the group said that he ran over one of the bikers, but the brother said that one of the bikers jumped on his car 
and then fell and Robert ran him over. I'm assuming the guy's okay, but they never said if the beggar was okay. But Robert uh, Birch Toll was actually arrested because he had a gun on him and he was convicted of three felonies and two misdemeanors. And later on in court, he was found guilty. So he was going to go to jail. So he went home and he's like, if you put me in jail, that's a death sentence right there. So he killed himself before he can go to jail. Never condone somebody killing themselves, but Mm -hmm. good. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not going to say anything. So people started coming out after he died. And six girls came out and said that he did similar things to them. And he was actually found guilty of raping one girl and only spent a year in jail. Like, before all this happened. Jesus. So now, Jan, uh, she's on uh, Instagram. She's still alive and well. She is, is supposedly, like, acting and singing and dancing. She's doing all this cool stuff. She's married to a guy named Larry. Oh, where was that? Larry. What's your name, Larry? Something. Left. Felt. There we go. It's Larry Felt. So her name now is Jan Broberg Felt. Um, but she's continuously doing those public speaking things. Her mom is still alive, but unfortunately, like I said, Bob passed away in 2018. So BLB, be like Bob. Pour one out for Bob tonight, guys. Yeah, um, Bob. But fun fact, and I didn't know this until I researched the case, there is a movie coming out this year big shock and it's called friend of a family and it's about jan's case oh i just heard about that yeah i mean me too who is in that there's somebody um there's the somebody... girl from sabrina the teenage witch not like the old one melissa whatever but the new one. Oh, oh, she's from mad men and i love that show mm-hmm. um yeah, another one uh kieran uh she's got white hair Shipka. or something like that i don't know her name oh maybe but... yeah oh i don't know i i just saw something about that movie and um yeah that's about this case? Yeah, that's about this oh, case. Okay, we're going to go see that. But she was on, or she's on Instagram, Janny Broberg, all one word, if you want to follow her and kind of watch what she's doing. Her, Like I said, her mom's still alive. They do a reaction to the trailer and they're like, oh, yes, this is exactly right. So she's still alive and well. Her sisters are still alive and well. So give her a follow. Let her know that you're supporting her. Um that's it that's the story of jan broberg her survival story so bob is short for robert though (laughs) (laughs) i didn't listen to anything you said go back to the beginning because i'm not still stuck there (laughs) no it's it's bobbert uh, it's bobbert that i mean i'm trying real hard to you know be like you know you know I, i like i get it was the 70s but Mary Ann. I know. Bob, like I know. But it was it was like so the first case. Red, like one of the first so many cases. red flags. Just like I mean again, it it's it's a little biased because I live in 2022 where it's a little biased. You know. No big deal. But but like I don't know. That's just just bizarre to me, but again, it's just it's so it's so scary to think that people can be so disgusting, sick and twisted. And it's scary to think people like that exist. And they're so methodical about it. Mm -hmm. That's the, like there are sick and twisted people out there in the world and they do bad things. But but when they have that touch of being methodical about it, they they like, 
and are like, really smart about it, that's where it gets super scary. And that's why there are so many like serial killers out there. Because like it's I don't think it's often, but it happens. Like Ted Bundy, yeah. um, Jeffrey Dahmer, um, John Wayne Gacy, and then Israel Keys, I think his name was. That one's like the scariest one to me. Um uh Robert Richard Ramirez. Just Dennis Rader, all those people. Like, they are yeah. smart. And the next episode, you're going to reveal who the Zodiac Killer is, too, right? So make sure you listen. If I tell you, I have to kill you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. Somebody, <laughs> no. somebody better check up on me after this episode. <laughs> it's not important. Don't worry about it, guys. <laughs> Nick who? <laughs> She's going to edit this part out, I'm sure. But <laughs> Exactly. All right. Well, Nick, thank you so much for being a part of You Don't Want to Know. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This is a blast. Hopefully, you can come on and be a friend of the pod. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, YDWK Podcast. Uh, send me an email, YDWK Podcast at gmail.com. Facebook page as well. Uh, I think it's You Don't Want to Know Podcast. Otherwise, try YDWK. I will get this right for next time because I don't remember. <laughs> Nick, do you have any follow thingies? Yeah, uh, Titan Media Collective. Um, you can pretty much fine the only one is twitter it's titan media call c-o-l-l because they cut you off but yeah <laughs> titan media collective uh dot com you can actually find uh you don't want to know on there as well but um yeah we have a we have a lineup of creators we're actually in the process of expanding our lineup so hoping to have a few more podcasts and some more streamers and we have some other really big uh like I'm talking crazy big crazy everybody's big. A, almost a little afraid of how big i'm like dreaming at this moment <laughs> so uh my business partners i think the most scared they're like um hey that's really ambitious i'm like yeah but <laughs> can i swear on this podcast <laughs> we'll find uh, out <laughs> so uh, yeah so tightmediacollective.com you can find all of our stuff there and uh tight media collective on social media we have a bunch of amazing creators so more podcasts yeah more drive time stuff yeah thank you so much for having me this was this was awesome you're welcome have a great weekend guys bye-bye stay spooky